It is Friday, which means it's almost time for the weekend, which also means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. And today I come to you with a little bit of a heavy heart. And this is probably going to be one of the more raw podcasts. It's not something where I sat down and hewed out point by point what I needed to talk about, but I really feel like the topic that I need to talk about is important uh, in light of uh, what I have seen personally recently and just in general. And our topic today is marriage under fire. And I just chose this because I really feel that marriage is under fire. And I'm not I'm really going to talk much about homosexual marriage today because that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about marriage under fire. I am talking about marriage within the church, uh, within heterosexual uh, couples that have pursued marriage in a godly way, um, but then some of those marriages are are falling to the wayside. So we're going to talk a little bit, or actually a lot, in this podcast about what God really says about marriage. And for the most part, we're going to let God speak for himself. Uh, But I will be making a few comments here and there. But before we do that, let's get started with our first verse, which is our quote of the day with Adam. All right, this comes from Genesis 2, verses 23 through 24. And it says here, and a little ironically, but, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And I did, I chose this verse because it really um, states what the purpose of marriage was. And I think that sometimes as we are going about our daily lives and as we are thinking about the way that we want to live them, we miss this whole point. The woman was given to the man as a helper um, because after naming all the animals, There was no partner suitable to him in the animals. And God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. So he provided women uh, to mankind. And I have said before on this podcast, and I will say it again, that I believe that women are one of God's greatest gifts to mankind. And I know a lot of times when I say that, people chuckle. Um, But I'm not saying that in a humorous way today. I am saying that 100% seriously. And I really feel, um, as I have seen people around me uh, and experienced in my own extended family, the the horrific uh, results of divorce, um, I feel like we need to get back to the basics and just start talking about what God really meant when he put two people together. Um, Before we move on, Adam, do you have any initial thoughts? I like what you said about how women are one of the, if not the greatest gift to mankind that he gave us, because it's true. If you think about it, without him, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be doing anything. Absolutely. They're amazing. And and uh, both you and I have the experience as homeschooled um, children uh, to have our parents as teachers at uh, certain points in our life. So that's just another added dimension. Um having my mom as a teacher for most of my life is a blessing. Um, this first passage I'm just going to read, um, Matthew 19, uh, 4 to 6, um, and it says, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read 
that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Matthew 19, 4-6 And before I go any further, I just want to say, I'm not here to criticize everyone who's been divorced. I know there's different situations, but I also feel that our Christian culture at large has taken the exceptions and the reasons for divorce, the seeming good reasons, and they've camped out on them in large scale and said, let's dwell on the exception instead of focusing on what God is really saying here. He's saying, you are put together as a couple to be one flesh and it should never be separated for all of life. And the focus of our teaching, the focus of of our thought process toward marriage should be that it's one man, one woman for a lifetime. And I know that one of uh, one of the you know the liberal homosexual arguments to us is that you guys don't care about marriage. Anyway, so why should you care about its definition? And I'd like to say that that was to, that's totally bogus. And I know that um, it, we often will give verbal assent to God's ultimate meaning of marriage, but are we living it? The fact of the matter is that the divorce rate uh, in the Christian church is high. Some people will, will throw out the stat- statistic that it's 50% just like the world. Um, I've heard that the statistic is closer to 30%, but that's still too many. And um, divorce has devastating results. It affects more than just the two people that are getting divorced. It affects kids. It affects extended family. Um, I um, have been very hurt uh, by um, a particular divorce in my family. And... uh, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but I'm just, I want to put out there that that these are very serious things. And uh, when God said that it's not to be um, pulled apart, we should take that seriously. And we shouldn't enter into marriage lightly. Um, And we should not joke around. I, I hear a lot of jokes, and I know ultimately... A lot of times they're meant in a lighthearted way, but we do married couples a disservice when we talk about how they will be strapping on the ball and chain. You know, a lot of times the last weekend before they get married, people say, well, it's your last few uh, few weeks as a, um, as a single man or last few days as a single man, um, and, then, and then you're going to be in bondage. You know, that's kind of the way we portray it. And I think even though we're often joking... Um, by putting it in those terms, we, we give marriage a bad name and we don't encourage people to ultimately strive for the best in marriage by having that mindset. So I think our mindset has to change and we need to realize that God says that a man is to leave his father and mother uh, to be joined to a wife. Now, that could start a whole new conversation about whether Someone should leave home before they're married. We're not going to get into that today. <laughs> but, the, but the ultimate reality of that statement is this is why you leave. 
you leave your family to start another family. And once you start another family, you have a lifelong responsibility to that family. And um, I, I see, I saw this um, this picture that's been going around Facebook. I think they're called memes. Yeah. These pictures with with really inspiring sayings, saying, sometimes bizarre sayings. But one of my favorite ones is um, uh, just this conversation between a young person and a couple that's been married like 50, 60 years. And basically it says, how did you stay together so long? And, and she, and uh, the response was because we grew up in an age where if something was broke, you fixed it, you didn't throw it away. And I think that is something uh, that is one of the biggest testimonies that we can have as a Christian church is to be committed to fixing our broken marriages. I'm not saying that marriages are never broken or that, that you that you need to pretend that, that nothing's wrong. But what I'm saying is if we can have the testimony that God can fix broken marriages, because he certainly can, he's a healer, he's a great physician, um, and he has perfect wisdom for any situation. So we need to get back more into that mindset. And I just want to read um, the second passage. It says in uh, Ephesians 5, 22-33, Wives, submit unto your... Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their own wives as their to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for so no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, to start off in this conversation, and um, as I after I finish my comments on uh, this section of verses, I'll swing it over to Adam for any comments he might have. But uh, a lot of times people bristle when they see this first part, wife, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, God wrote it. So, whatever whatever argument you want to throw up to me about whether that is acceptable or not, or how you feel about that, you can be mad at God for writing that, but God wrote it. And so we need to pay attention to it. We need to realize that that's worth uh, what God wrote. Secondly, if you read through this whole passage... The majority of the passage is actually written to the husband. So yeah. so the wife submit to your own husbands might seem like a harsh thing, but then he goes into this whole thing about the the husband uh, should care for his wife as Christ loves the church, that if he cares for his wife, he's caring for himself. All these things that are directed to the husband. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say is to focus on this part where Paul says, 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Do we realize that? Do we realize that when Jesus Christ died for us and brought us into his family and brought us into his church, that he gave us unconditional love? That when we mess up as Christians, he is ready, willing, and able to forgive us and that he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us on a daily basis. And when we do mess up, if we are redeemed, he stands up and he says, God, I paid for that sin. I took care of that sin. It's no... it." You know, it it won't it can apply to him because I already paid for it. That is what Jesus has done for us, and that is the exact picture that marriage is supposed to be. When the world looks at our marriages, they should see unconditional love through the power of the Holy Spirit. They should see spouses that forgive one another, even of really bad things at times. You know, there's there's one exception, and remember I talked about how how people like to camp on exceptions. There's one exception um, where God clearly says that you have at least the opportunity to divorce, and that's if your spouse is unfaithful. Now, I have never had a spouse, and I've never had a spouse be unfaithful, and I am sure that it's devastating, Okay. And I, I know that there may be a time when I will have to listen to this podcast to remind myself of the truth of the scripture. But I would submit to you that just because God says you can divorce for being on, for an unfaithful spouse doesn't mean you should. Because how many times are we unfaithful to God? Do we ignore him or forget what he said? But he stays with us. He doesn't leave us because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think that's the same response we should have in our marriage relationships. And this is so important today. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it's no more evident in today's culture in anywhere than in the American marriage. Adam, do you have any thoughts? Out of everything we've read from Ephesians there, one thing that really stuck out to me was how it was saying to, you know, love your wife as you love yourself, because no man has ever hated his own flesh. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit, like, are there people going into marriages that don't even love themselves, or maybe don't even love themselves like Christ loves them? And it's a it's a big question to ask yourself if you're going maybe through tough times in your marriage right now. And I'm not married, so not that I should be playing Dr. Phil here, but the sense that, you know, a lot of times they want to blame the other person or, well, because of this, this, and this, and what she said or what he said, you know, I, I can't do this. But is it really something deeper inside ourselves going on? Because if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love your spouse? So a good reminder there to sometimes we have to reflect at ourselves and be like, is there something I'm doing different or wrong that I, I shouldn't be? Absolutely. And I just want to share one more um, passage and a couple more thoughts, and then we will end today. But I hope you're getting some things to think about, and I hope that you will realize that the actions that we take can have a devastating effect on not just us, but on our children, and possibly even on our children's children. So may we be cognizant of that. Um, I'm trying to be sensitive to those of you who have gone through struggles may have gone through divorce. I'm not trying to make you feel perpetually guilty, but I just feel like there's so much 
material out there that that almost tries to to make divorce okay um, to an unhealthy level. And we need to realize that God does not want us to just jump ship. And here is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and here's what he says to them. And unto the married, married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother have a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God hath called us to peace. Now there's a lot here, and I don't have time to dissect it all. But I just wanted to bring up a couple things. Number one, Paul is basically saying here, um, whatever the situation, if if your spouse is willing to stay with you, you should allow them to be with you. And, and particularly, he's talking about unequal yokes, perhaps because you both started out as unbelievers and then one of you became a believer and you're wondering what's next. And he's basically saying that you can be a witness to your spouse. Um and he's also saying that if they leave, then um, you are not under bondage at that point. If they leave, you have a certain amount of freedom, um, I think, possibly to remarry. But again, I don't think that should be the main focus. There's something very interesting here. It says um, uh, to, to, the, to the wife in the beginning of this passage, uh, or about the wife, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband. And one of the things that I notice about a lot of uh, people that get divorced, even in the church, is it seems like um, they get into second relationships very quickly, like within six or eight months even sometimes, where they haven't even given themselves a chance to even broach the subject of reconciliation. Where I heard about this couple, and I wish I remembered their names, but they wrote this book called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. <laughs> um, and just highlighting the difference between men and women. And their story is that they got divorced and they got remarried five years later. And now they, now they, I have a ministry to people um, trying to encourage them to reconcile their marriages. And they had a stat that said, Something like 80% of couples, if they get divorced, but they don't get into relationships with other people, 80% of the time they will they will uh, remarry to each other. But if you put other relationships in there, if you allow other relationships to come in, and if your whole objective is to um, be happy for yourself, so you get that other relationship, number one, it doesn't often work out very well because second marriages have a harder time than first marriages and so on and so forth. But number two, um, you 
haven't given yourself a chance to do what God wants you to do, which is to get back together as a married couple. And I know there's a lot of issues, but can I just put this out as we end? And I'll send it over to Adam for a few final thoughts. But have you ever thought about this? God's main objective is not for you to be happy. He doesn't say, be happy as I am happy. He says, be holy as I am holy. And holiness is an impossible standard, but we should always be striving for it. And I will say, though, with utmost confidence, that holiness can lead to happiness. But if we put holiness first, then we will be ultimately blessed. That holiness is the point. So perhaps you're in a situation today when you're, where you're not happy. But maybe if we refocus and we rethink about the fact that God's purpose is to make us happy, or to make us holy, sorry, then we will have a whole new lease on this whole relationship thing. Because it doesn't just apply to your married relationship. It applies to your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your brothers. All those relationships have something to do with work. You know, they take work to maintain. So before we end, Adam, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I just want to throw it out there that if you are married and you're going through some rougher waters right now, that uh, let us know how we can also pray for you because we'd love to do so. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love to pray for others. Um, and I think that prayer is, is definitely a way that we can minister um, to one another. And I'll just end with this thought. And that is, um, go do something today that your spouse doesn't deserve. And with that, I will say to you, please keep um, following us on iTunes and Stitcher. Share this with your friends. Um, share this blog post if you see it pop up on Facebook with family or friends that could really use some encouragement today. And um, I just pray for you, if you have been divorced, that you would focus on God and that you would allow him to work in your life. Um, if reconciliation is possible, I pray that you would uh, attempt that and that God would be glorified in whatever your life situation is. With that, on behalf of my co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt, this is your host, Andrew Gamison, saying, keep serving the best.